Well, hi there, everybody, and welcome to episode 25 of the Shine Sparkers podcast. I'm Amanda Van Heil. I'm going to be your host, and I am joined by my awesome friend, Roy. And we're also joined by an awesome special guest, Deadweight. Deadweight was here um, on the December episode. I don't think I was here for that one. I think that was when I was out for surgery. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm actually able to talk to you this time. And then you also won our Metroid-themed quiz. I did indeed. And then you're also working on a really cool project called the Chozo Language Course, which we're going to be getting into. So I'm Deadweight, or Ben, either works. Uh, and my two biggest passions are language and video games. So naturally, I uh, was a fit for this project. Metroid is my favorite series. I've been a fan for a good decade, and I've, I've run a ton of stuff. I've done uh, Make Up a Metroid Fan on Twitter. I wrote a community spotlight for Shine Sparkers for a project currently on hiatus called Cartroid. And as Amanda has already said, I have already started this podcast back in episode 20. But I am also a massive fan of linguistics. I've studied many aspects of it, including phonology and conlangs. And I also speak Spanish as a second language. And this is all going to be fairly relevant uh, in just a moment once we start talking about the course itself. Awesome. So how did the whole thing get started? Well, it really got started thanks to a community member that I know you you two both know, uh, called Torvus Boltz, who... Oh, yeah! Yes, good old Torvus, a uh, very popular member in this community, and I've been a friend of his for years, and we have loved Metroid together for years and years and years now. I'm pretty sure he came into this world holding a copy of Metroid Fusion, so... <laughs> <laughs> so... I was lucky enough to be on a call with him on Discord when uh, E3 2021 was happening, and he was floored by Dread. Dread was everything he wanted in a game, and he was transfixed on it. So much so that he noticed in the footage that a lot of symbols were showing up. Uh, these little triangle symbols across different footage, different trailers, some promotional stuff. And he noticed that these symbols were brand new, but they roughly resembled some Chozo writing from previous Metroid games. Samus's gunship has always had these little square designs. They're most uh, this little square writing. It's most prominent in Prime Two, and the writing showed up in Zero Mission. And in these instances, it was just decoration. But then in Metroid Other M, in the art book, they revealed that they had started to give these. Uh, runes some meaning, and throughout the game, the different menus show this square Chozo writing, and you can transcribe that for some little English messages here and there. So, Torvus noticed this, and he got to work trying to see how many of these square markings roughly matched up with the designs of the triangle markings, and since I am uh, a linguist, he asked me, hey, do you want to join in uh, a group chat we have of currently about six or seven people to try and help us with transcribing this stuff? And so I agreed. They'd actually done a fairly good job uh, without me for quite a while, so I didn't have a whole lot to do, um, although it did inspire me to look into some writings and some other games, and I ended up transcribing a whole fictional alphabet that I'd never noticed in my favourite game of all time, Little King Story. Um, Torvus is very proud of me for doing that. In the three days, we managed to do more than they ever did with uh, <laughs> Chozo runes. But anyway, 
the Dread releases, and sadly, due to a pre-order mix-up, I played a week late. But by this time, enough people had shown interest in the runes uh, before Dreads released that there was actually a whole Discord dedicated to it. Again, I didn't look at it in that time. I played Dread. It was pretty good. had a pretty good time with it. But the absolute highlight for me was that Quiet Robe cutscene. Everything about it blew me away. <laughs> Sam is talking. Samus talking in Chozo made my jaw drop, and a video games rarely do that. Yeah, because I was worried that after Other M, Nintendo wouldn't want to do that, but wow. It was such an amazing moment. Like, yeah, I was definitely like, oh, oh, this is happening. Okay. <laughs> That's one of those uh, goosebumps up your arm moments. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd say that's probably one of my absolute favorite Metroid moments. What really struck me is I was trying to figure out, hang on, what what is it they're saying? Is this, are they just making noises? Because it sounded very articulate. It didn't sound like uh, what in the conline community I think they call a fake lang, which is supposed to sound like there's a language there, but there's nothing really going on behind the curtain. And the thing that really started to get my brain whirring was the fact that a lot of the phonetics of what they were saying sounded very Spanish. Um, and obviously through this cutscene, I was trying to pay attention to all this lore that was being dropped on us, uh, but my brain was like, I suppose these must be Spanish voice actors, because obviously Mercury's team is based in Madrid, but it didn't sound like Spanish, it just sounded like it had the phonetics of it, but there was certain giveaways, like, cuh, at the end of words and stuff, that was like, this can't be Spanish. Uh, I, w- I would have recognised a word or two by now. <laughs> uh, so that made me think, maybe maybe it's a con line. A constructed language. So after the game was over, I talked to Torvis. I said, hey, I finished Dread. It was pretty good. Uh, but I want to talk to you specifically about that one cutscene, uh, which by that point was two or three cutscenes, because obviously Ravenbeak speaks in a similar way. And he said, yep, it is in fact an entire constructed language. And we probably shouldn't have been as shocked by this as we were, because there were certain hints at this language before the game came out. So in the E3 footage, for example, on the loading screen, Chorvis transcribed that to mean Chado, Chado, C-H-A-A-D-O. And we were all like, well, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> and later on, obviously, Hadar Senolmen was a huge part of the marketing. So it took us a while, but yeah, uh, after, after Dread released, I came in a week late and a ton of progress had been made on it through that Discord, and then the months to come, more and more material would come out for it. And then by February, progress had really slowed down, and I said to myself, like, if we're not really going to get any more updates to this, what is the limit to which you could use this language to communicate with someone, you know? How, how much how much data do we have to put together a language that we could speak and tweet in? <laughs> so that is basically how the chosen language course got started. Me trying to compile uh, as much of this data to see how much you could create your own sentences with the words and um, syntax present in Metroid Dread's three Chozo cutscenes or so. So do you guys ever like talk to each other in Chozo? Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes! I love that! <laughs> um, if you follow me on Twitter, occasionally I will tweet in Chozo, and um, there is this one tweet that got fairly popular where my autocorrect 
uh, my auto fill had started to suggest cho- if I started writing in Chozo, it would pick up on it and suggest other Chozo words. That's amazing! <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was like, oh man, I'm a parody of myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you ever want to see any memes written in Chozo, uh, we do have a little hashtag we use sometimes, which is hashtag Chozo Lang. C H O Z O. I'm looking that up right now. C H O Z O L A N G. And yeah, there's a, there's a few fun ones in there. So, and if you want to find the progress on the course, which I'm sure we're about to go into more detail on, uh, that would be at Chozo. Uh, is it? Ch- I think it's just at Chozo Course on Twitter. And of course, there's the subreddit, which is r slash Chozo Language. So how could somebody learn this course? Because, like, you know, I know some people learn Klingon. The nerds in my homeschool group learned Elvish because they were all obsessed with Lord of the Rings. I was telling Roy about that earlier. So how could somebody take the Chozo language course? Like, is that available yet? Or is that, like, some something happening later? Firstly, it sounds like you have incredible friends. I would definitely keep them around. <laughs> <laughs> True. My friends are way cooler than me, honestly. <laughs> um... <laughs> I know the feeling. But yes, no, uh, the course is fully available. Version 1.1 is on that Chozo course Twitter, and it's also on the sidebar for the Aslash Chozo language subreddit. Uh, We are currently working on a 1.2 to fix a few errors, add some more information that has since come out, and such like, as well as a few more resources that people uh, requested. Uh, I'm not sure how much I want to reveal just yet, but yeah, we have a little more coming to help people learn the language but that's, that should be how you find it. Most of the time, if you just type, type in any of those, it'll come up and you'll find it. And you can go through it right now and, and learn the extent of the language as we know it. Yeah, I'm going to have to do some of that because that sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, so when are we going to get it on Duolingo so we can all get threatened by the Duolingo bird for not, learning, for not practicing? Not just the Duolingo bird. The uh, Duolingo flat egg bird. Yes. See, it like that, like just makes it even more fitting. There, it, I love it. Didn't um, Metroid Thirty Five draw that? Yes. Somewhere. So I don't think you've seen this, Amanda, but we had the very same. Okay. I- we had the same idea before we'd actually released the course. So on our Twitter. We created the Twitter that, uh, two days before the course went live, and we teased it with an image. Uh, that was uh, based on um, it was based on this advertising for Duolingo of Duo the Owl standing in a doorway in the dark saying "Coming soon." And Metroid Thirty Five, the lovely, lovely Isabel, she drew a copy of that, but instead with Flat Egg, aka Quiet Rope, aka <laughs> Henky Meralis, standing in the doorway instead. And he is sort of and this uh, this Duolingo version of flat egg has become the mascot for this course and he's used uh, all over it now there's tons of illustrations on it of him that is brilliant perfect <laughs> you know what happens now cue the emmys <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah no uh, she also did uh, a similarly styled raven beak and it is my favorite thing i i love this cute raven beak if you look on the chosen course there's a few fun drawings of those two together and one of them is them wearing a, a shirt that says uh, they get on with the other one <laughs> um it's based on a, a meme of two children who are crying but their parents are trying to make them get on because that's that's how we interpret their relationship on the planet zdr one thing i'm wondering about the language 
I noticed that um, they pronounce Metroid as like Mothrid. Yeah. Something like that when it's supposed to mean ultimate warrior in their language. Yeah, so maybe we should actually start talking about the course itself and uh, how it's put together. So the data we use for the Metroid course is uh, completely limited. It's basically opportunistic. Whatever we have is what we work with. So it's a mix of written data and spoken data, and sometimes they cross over. So sometimes you see a word written, and then you hear flat egg or iron egg say it out loud, and then you can go, okay, so that's how it's spelt, and that's how it's said. But it's not always that lucky. Um, our data comes from not only the Quiet Rope cutscene, the Ravenbeak introduction, the Ravenbeak death. There's also an unused Ravenbeak cutscene where he uh, he's speaking in the language, and we can take a lot of words from that. Although it's only so helpful because some of the vocabulary was actually changed before final release, so he'll be saying one thing in that in the unused cutscene, but for the same word he'll say something else in the final cutscenes. We also can take data from there was a Metroid Dread themed clothing thing that I think the Nintendo New York store did. That one confused us for a while because they have the Chozo triangles written on the the, uh, the sleeve of the of the design of the outfit and it said metroid spelt metroid uh nabular which we assumed to mean dread and they'd given dread its own word in the language which we found interesting um and then the funniest one that came out was actually tetris had a ton of Chozo writing in it, and it gave us some of the most useful words in the language. At no point in Metroid Dread itself did they use the word go, but thanks to Tetris, we have the word go, Sidur. Very useful word. <laughs> so this is a mix of stuff that's said aloud and stuff that's written down, and that's when it gets quite complicated, because it is it is spelled Metroid, but as you say, when they say it out loud, they say it Mathroid which means that even if we're trying to transcribe the sounds of what we hear in these cutscenes, that doesn't mean it's necessarily the same way it's spelled. And that has caused some issues in the community. There's a big debate over whether the word however is savalba or sabalba, which isn't made easy by the fact that the V, V, like vas, face, uh, that sound is actually not present in native Spanish. That's what I was about to to say. It was like I the that sound is if it's done by native Spanish speakers, then that would be a really hard one to figure out like what it's supposed to be. Right. Yeah. So, and one of the problems is also that the the we're getting into a bit of phonetics here. You brought a linguist on. This is what you get. <laughs> but um, the the letter B B in English usually just represents like a B B B B. Most times, just said the same in Spanish. It, if there's a consonant before it, or if it's starting a word, it could come up more like a a, a unique sound to Spanish, which is a v, a v, which is like you're trying to do a v sound, but with both of your lips instead of your teeth, like v. Um, you could try doing that right now if you want to try, but v, v, v. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, like that. And there's a few v. times when it's not clear whether they're going v. for that sound, whether they're going for a like a v, and so. It's, it gets quite complicated, so the transcription system isn't perfect, and we have to admit that to ourselves. We just transcribe what we hear, and there's a huge paragraph at the beginning of the course saying, this is just our assumptions. Um, 
This is made even more difficult because uh, Spanish doesn't have very pronounced p sounds. Their p is actually more similar to our b. You also have the fact that some words are written with a v. The word for place is la lavin, l a v i n, but obviously we don't hear them ever make a, a really clear v sound, a v. So it, it's really hard to say what is what, and it's 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 just a real mix of what we have available to us. What is the process like for figuring out like the different phonetics on things? Because I know like anytime I'm trying to listen to something and it's in another language and I'm just even trying to make sense of what they're saying, I have such a hard time doing that. Uh, so what is it that you that, that you guys do? I mean, do you just listen to the same thing just over and over? Do you do it slowly? Do you do it with like the like a subtitle underneath it so you can kind of figure out the breakdown right so as i say there was a lot of progress made on chozo before i came in and started essentially observing it uh the two main people i want to shout out are, are boogs and bearborg uh he's done a ton for the wiki he figured out a lot of the luminoth writing for Mac prime 2 i believe he was the main um his data was the main one that i used when i was creating the course he had a list of every word in the language, and then how many times that word appears. And I went through that, and I essentially tried to fine-tooth comb it. So I was looking through it, and I was like, man, the problem with this is, as you say, Amanda, it's a kind of a Rorschach test. How do we really know what it is that they are saying, uh, if we can all hear it so differently? So essentially, I try to simplify it all down into what, what's called phonotactics, which are what is allowed in a language. So in English, the ng sound at the end of sing, we can't start a word with that. We don't have any words that start ng, for example. So I tried to figure out if any of these transcriptions have stuff like that that's only used once, maybe we can assume that we're hearing it wrong. So if there's a few times that there's just a combination of like uh, st, uh, like there's one, there's one instance of a word that ended st at the end of a word, and none of the other words did. So I was going to assume that that was just a mishearing or a mumble on the speaker, and that the language had this consistent phonology to it. And that essentially led to me guessing this and, and simplifying it down to try and use a little bit of logic to reduce the amount of sounds that we were hearing. And this also meant that yeah, I said anytime there's a v or a b in the course, I just transcribe it as a b because. I, I don't want to make it, I don't want to have to make more calls uh, every time that one of these sounds shows up. And it was quite painful. Sometimes I'd listen to something trying to picture two different ways I'd seen it transcribed by different people in my head until I had to make a call on which one I think was more accurate. And even now, people say, hey, when Ravenbeak says daughter, it says la darja, but you've written it down as lo darja. And I go, yep, I think that's more correct. I think I think I just didn't hear it right when I heard it. Um, and yeah, it's a bit of a shot in the dark, to be honest. Um, it's, it's way nicer when we have textures to work with that just say the words and we can see them written out. Uh, there's a few of those, like the mural that the one of the Emmy bursts through just before Quiet Robes cutscene. Uh, there's words on there and we take those. Some of them we know, some of them we don't. We can see the spelling. It's lovely. When we're hearing two... Spanish voice-acted birds uh, talk through a robotic Darth Vader filter. It's a lot harder to go, yep, that's definitely that sound, and thus 
Yeah, <laughs> it, it can be quite painful. There was a lot of debate when I was in the course, like I'd send something to someone, and uh, well, to the group and say, do you think that I'm right here? I, I do wonder about that because Nikki Garcia, she only had to say one thing in Chozo, but the actors for Raven Beak and Quiet Robe, sorry, Gladrax, Flat Egg and Iron Egg, <laughs> he, he refuses to believe that their names are anything but that. Um, <laughs> Anyway, they had to speak much more extensively. I have to wonder how difficult that was, because I think you've said that there are similarities between Chozo and Spanish, so maybe it was easier in that regard or something? Well, rather disappointingly to a Conlang enthusiast like myself, um, Chozo is essentially one-to-one -one with English grammatically. It's basically English with different words in place of English words. And if you're not in the realm of linguistics, there are a billion ways to construct sentences to create grammatical meaning. And there's so many that you'll never even imagine until you see them and you go, oh my goodness, can't believe the language does this. Uh, but I think for simplicity's sake, Chozo was very much based on English. So there was just fewer mistakes, fewer time put into it. And some of the devs, uh, developers on the game came out on Twitter and said, yeah, it was only added partway through development and it was a pain to change a lot of the textures and such to match the the new words that they'd, they, the new vocabulary that they couldn't come up with. And I can imagine that they probably, basing it on English, um, didn't think too hard about how it will come out when the speakers speak it. So maybe certain things were intended to sound a certain way, but once you give that script to a person, they just have to work with what they've got. I'd say that the main point of the language, as with a lot of conlangs, is that it's aesthetic and it fills that space. Um, Other M already had a controversy with using English and the performance sounded strange to English ears, but if you have a conlang, then it, it kind of removes that. It has a really nice sound to it, and I think the voice actors' performances really come through when they're saying their lines as well, which is, is great to hear, because that can be quite difficult to do, to enunciate a language that isn't actually a real language, so you don't have a, a point of reference for like emphasis and such. So if somebody wanted to get started taking the Chozo course and learning Chozo, like, where would they get started, and, and like, what's kind of like a time frame they should expect to put into it like about how long each day do they need to practice the chozo language i i i'm not sure to be completely honest with you but <laughs> um <laughs> you'd be surprised to hear that the entire course uh, itself as in the writing process really only took me about five days uh it's about ten thousand words in length it's about the size of an undergraduate dissertation. <laughs> I tried really hard to be as transparent with the learner as possible and say, this is just what we know. These are the parts where we're just not completely sure. And also provide exercises, translation exercises, uh, little scenarios where you could try practicing saying things with a friend. But I have yet to talk with anyone who has used it to the end uh, in order to try and attain a level of uh, fluency. So I'm not completely sure how long it would take, but the entire course, which is a lot of tables, by the way, before this scares anyone, is about 35 pages, I think, of um, learning material. And then there's a dictionary at the end and some additional materials. This is probably a good time to mention that when I, uh, after I finished writing it, yeah, I was approached by Metroid 35, uh, Isabel, 
who said, hey, would you like me to try and turn your PDF into something that looks a lot more like a course and give it a, a distinct visual flavour? And I said, yeah, go for it. And she killed it. She did such a good job. It looks really, really nice. And I kind of want to try and get it printed out for myself at some point because, man, yeah, it's it looks really good. So as far as fans' reception to the Chozo language course, how has that been? Have you had like a lot of fans trying to learn it? Uh, do they send you Chozo messages? How's that going for you? The fan reception has actually been incredible. It's It was lovely to see because we created a Twitter account just for this course uh, and we had one teaser tweet and then when we tweeted the course out, it got up to like a thousand likes and 500 retweets within uh, like two days, I think. And that was really heartwarming to see because we had put a lot of effort into it. It wasn't just me writing it. I did write pretty much the whole thing, but then I was just sending it back and forth with people. And then Isabel had spent months working on its design. And then just to have it come out and have everyone say, this is incredible. and a lot of people were like, ah, oh, I guess I have to learn Chozo now. <laughs> um, and then we got the subreddit went from 550 followers to like 720 within a couple days. And yeah, um, I've still yet to see a ton of people who have managed to write and, and stuff like that in the language. I, May is just a busy time of year, so I, I've just put it down to that. But yeah, no, it was great. Oh, and then uh, a couple of developers uh, actually saw the course as well, and one of the developers responded to the course uh, with a tweet saying, this is great to see. I loved shouting Anaman Fasma at my colleagues while I was working on the game, which means you are weak. And then everyone in the, the Chozo Discord freaked out, like, we have a new word! We haven't had a new word in months! <laughs> so... <laughs> And then this developer went and confirmed just one more word and then said, I'll leave it up to you. You seem like you're having a lot of fun. So this man is sitting on a mountain of knowledge and he has thrown us a pebble. And I really appreciated that. That was very exciting to see. And we still have some stuff we need to confirm with it. Um, surprisingly enough, the full alphabet for this, because there were some changes from the other M1, there are a few characters that aren't completely confirmed. And I know that uh, on the course, Torvis specifically made me mention the ones that are more of a guess than a complete confirmation. So there is still work on this in the future for us to tighten this up. And as I say, we're releasing an update with, well, we're adding words like FASMA <laughs> that we just learned, for example, but also some additional materials. Uh, we forgot to put anything on the numbers, for example. So yeah, 1.2 should be coming at some point this month. So follow the course and keep your eyes out for that. And I want to say thank you to everyone who has shown the level of love and support for it that they did. The reactions were incredible. So how long until we start finding fanfics written in Jozo? <laughs> well, That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> well, if you can write a fair amount of fiction with 200 words worth of vocabulary, then all the power to you. One of the things that would happen was that see, people would try writing stuff in Chozo, but it would really be like from the little bits of knowledge they could remember of it. But putting it all together in a course, like these are nouns, these are the verbs, these are the prepositions, stuff like that, um, helped a lot. And a few people, I gave them the course early and said, hey, would you mind writing some poetry for the end of the course just to show off the full capacity of the language as we currently have it, which is fairly limited, but they did an amazing job. Uh, shout out to Dirichlet, I hope I'm saying that right, who wrote 
this amazing, very, very poetic sounding piece about Ravenbeak that had rhyming structures throughout the whole thing, uh, despite the fact that, again, we only have 200 words to work with. So, yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's been pretty, uh, there's, there's potential, there's potential for some limited but very creative works to come out of this. If you want to learn any more about it, you have to open the course yourself, skim read it, read it fully. We also have a Google Doc to recommend any uh, mistakes you've noticed or anything you'd like to suggest we do. And it's just, as as Isabel, uh, Metroid35 put it, uh, a living document. And we will keep updating it as we know more and more about this very, very small uh, restricted language that we have our hands on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for telling us all about the Chozo language course. This sounds like a whole lot of fun, and I love just the whole backstory, and I'm glad fans are really enjoying it. Yeah, I have wanted to share a lot of this backstory for a long time, so people know how it came together. And yeah, share some of the names that went behind this, because it was more than just one or two people. And I'm surprised it took as long as it did, but I was like, hey, I know Spanish enough to recognize these phonemes. I like linguistics, I like Metroid. So it's been, it was February, so it had been five months, and I thought, yeah, I think it's about time that someone tried to do this uh, for real. And I was very happy to be the one that did that, and I'm very happy with the reception it's got. All right, so last episode, we asked you guys, what is your favorite piece of music from the Metroid series? And here's what you guys said. All right, well, Dylan by Metroid Dread Power says, The Dark Samus theme from Metroid Prime 2 was a gift from God. Also, Torvus Bog with a picture of a, a an emoji with, with not, not snot, steam, like smoke coming <laughs> out of his mouth. Let's see. Oh, wow. Somebody named Deadweight Human Music Enjoyer says, there are just too many to name, but the one that always sends chills up my spine is the credits theme from Metroid Prime. It starts out as the menu theme, but then instead of looping, it keeps adding section after section, each more grandiose. Is it grandiose or grandois? I swear. I've heard people say it both ways. I have no clue. I've only ever heard grandiose. So that's what I thought. And then like, I feel like I've heard some people say grandois and I think it's just them not knowing how to say it. And then like me second guessing myself going, well, I heard this person say it this way. Anyways, they're probably trying to make it more fancy, like how some people pronounce tarje. Probably. And I here I am just being like, wow. Each more grandiose than the last. A perfect end theme. Do you want me to can I comment on that real quick? Please do. Please do. So, yeah, I love the credits theme for Metroid Prime. I, I play Prime Trilogy, so I didn't hear the menu, which is a shortened loop of the full version of that track, which gets used in the credits. And I must have just not been paying attention to the credits when I watched it. Sorry, when I first played Metroid Prime, because I listened to Harmony of a Hunter 101% back in 2017, and the opening track, Primoris, is the credits theme, and I remember going, oh, that was a pretty good rendition. Wait, why is it still going? Why are there so many sections? These sections are really cool. What's going on? And then I went back and listened, and I was like, oh, the credits is way longer than the menu theme, I see. And yeah, and since since then, it's it's been my favourite track in the series, although there's just so many. That was a really painful question to answer. Please never make, ask me that again. <laughs> 
yeah, just based on based on this uh, on all the replies I'm seeing on here, a lot of people can't pick just one song. Like I've <laughs> seen like a top ten here. I'm seeing like five songs and all this. This is this this was clearly a, a difficult time for Metroid fans to try and answer this one. Oh yeah, if we if it if we're doing a top five, throw in Crushed Frigate, throw in Torvis Bog, throw in Red Brinstar. Oh, there's too many. Stop me right there. I'll keep going. The Metroid Prime 3 credits were uh, legendary, specifically the version that was on Harmony of a Hunter Returns, which closes Light the album. From darkness. Oh. It's been playing in my head uh, for a few weeks now because I re-listened to Harmony of a Hunter a while back. Oh, it's been, it's been playing in my head ever since uh, I first heard it during the listening party that we had. <sighs> It, it's exactly what I've wanted for many years from the Harmony team. I'm going to say it right now. I think Metroid's best tracks are always the credits themes. Oh, for sure. I don't even know how to say this name. I'm going to go with what your actual Twitter handle says, which is Funky Panda Zero, because I don't know how to pronounce the other part. Lower Brinstar and all its variants. I agree that that's definitely one of my favorites. Arginator, hashtag by Metroid Dread, says, I really love the underwater theme for Metroid Fusion. Yes. Oh, another excellent choice. The fans actually have like perfect taste. Yeah, (laughs) I'm seeing great, great picks on here. Uh, Dread is here, says, tough question, probably Fendron Adepts or Talon Overworld. Those are both good. But anything from Prime 1 or 2 is in competition. Yeah. Oh, there's just so many good ones. Do I change my answer now? Like, now I'm just reminded how, how many there are. I mean, you can change it again. You know, people can pick. I mean, my favorite song of the can change from day to day. So I think that's fine with Metroid. There's so many good ones. All right, let's see. Let's find one more on here. This is a very open question. We got, like, this is the most responses I think we've ever gotten. I'm, like, having to legit read through a lot of this. All right, this person gave five songs and so i'm gonna go with their top five this is jacob says number one is overworld theme for metroid 2 two is hydra station from am2r three is green brin star from super metroid four is aqa area theme from fusion and number five is talent overworld one from prime one i think basically what we're saying is when it comes to metroid music you can't go wrong make the next question what song do you not like and everybody would be like nothing Nothing. (laughs) Alrighty, so next mailbag question for next episode. We're asking for you guys, what kind of additional downloadable content would you like to see added to the Metroid Dread game? Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining me for such a fun episode, Ben. It was awesome hearing your insight. Just so much fun getting to talk to you. Uh, I haven't done my Duolingo today, so I don't know what that means. (laughs) Thank you for having me on the podcast. Chozo for your welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. All right. So Ben, where can people find you online and where can people find out again more about the Chozo course in case they missed that earlier on? If you want to find me, I'm most active on Twitter at Coroboni. That's C-O-R-O-B-O-N-I-I. If you want to find the Chozo course, once again, it's pinned on the Chozo language subreddit, but it's also on Twitter under at Chozo course. And if you want to find me on my YouTube channel, where I briefly talked a little bit about this Chozo discovery process uh, in my latest video, then that is Deadweight on YouTube. Just search channels for that and it usually comes up first. 
Really quickly, um, I would like to, I'm probably going to embarrass myself, but I would like to take a stab at saying what Samus said in Chozo, and you can tell me if I've done it right. Ooh, can I remember off the top of my head? Okay. All right, I'm going to try it now. Kino Olotorota, Anilmari Sanopura, Aymarhen Galam. That was really good, good. Very well done. Yeah. Thank you. Lovely. I've only listened to it about 400,000 times. Oh, dude. <laughs> I cannot blame you. <laughs> it's one of the greatest moments of uh, all time. Agreed. Yeah. Well, everybody, make sure to visit our website, which is shinesparkers.net, where we have a poll going on right now, going on until July 30th, so we can find out which Metroid game the fans consider to be the absolute favorite. So once again, thank you guys, and we'll see you next mission. See you next mission. See you next mission, or in Chozo, Thirbon Atamush Nadakan. That's that's how we interpret their relationship on the planet ZDR. I say ZDR, that sounds really wrong now that I say it aloud. <laughs> uh, tomato, tomato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my head, it's ZDR, and then I say it out loud, and... Uh... There are still people who pronounce it Samus. Yeah, you know what? So, <laughs> well, it's because in off. Smash Brothers, like, I swear the first Smash Brothers, it sounded like they said Samus, and I think oh, that's yeah, probably yeah, why. It sounds like they're saying Samus. And it's very yeah, and and on sixty four, like it sounded it like you yeah. said Samus. Yeah, yep. And I said to myself, like, if we're not really going to get any more updates to this, oh, excuse me. <laughs> oh, sorry, just taking some water. Some some burrito. Sure, mm-hmm. that's fine. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to move on to the mailbag portion. We asked you guys last week, or actually, let me redo that. It, it was a few weeks ago, actually. <laughs> yeah, I know. My, my, yeah, oh, I don't know why okay? I said last um, week. I got Do confused. I interact I for this bit, or do I just observe? What kind of additional downloadable content would you like to see added to the Metroid Dread game? Not just Metroid Dread, the Metroid Dread game. <laughs> I don't know why Nintendo marketing always says that. Yeah, they've they've done that for a few years now. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Turn into a turn into a ball with the morph ball. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you guys, thank you for a wonderful episode. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you want me to call you Ben or Deadweight on the show? Just for eh, call me Ben, ben. now. Okay. But... Okay. All righty. <laughs> The Shine Sparkers podcast is edited by Darren Kerwin, Stefan Wells, and Giulio Bruschini, with music from Maserati. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can download more episodes at shinesparkers.net forward slash podcast. You can also listen to us on Spotify and other podcast platforms. 
For the latest Metroid news, community features, and exclusive content, you can find us at shinespockers.net, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. See you next mission.